Hi, this is Eddie Markham, pastor of River of Life Church, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for taking the time and listening to our podcast. Hopefully you're going to be inspired and impacted by our message today. I also want to let you know what's going on here at River of Life. God has just been blessing us, and we have outgrown our facility, and the time has come for us to get into a new building. We need to get into a bigger building. So we have kicked off a building campaign this year, and we are moving forward, and God is blessing it. So we are reaching out to you, our podcast listening audience, and just want to encourage you that if you would like to participate and make a donation into our building fund, please head over to our website. It's www.rol-ag.com. And right on the homepage there is a little donate button. Click on that, follow the instructions, and just sow your seeds, sow into this ministry, and help us make this happen. I want to say thank you in advance, and I pray God continue to bless you and impact your life as you listen to the ministry at River of Life. Um, just want to let you know, go over to Acts 13. I got a couple uh, scriptures I want to read to you today. Talking about our church, Acts 13 is what our church is modeled after. Uh, but I want to give you some news. We took an, uh, we kicked off the building pledges last Easter, and we had $77,000 worth of pledges, $77,000 that our church family said, sign me up, we're going to make $77,000. Well, we didn't make $77,000. We brought in $98,000. Come on, give God some praise. That's huge. You guys did. We did it together. And that is not all the building pledges still have not been made. That's just what people gave and didn't even pledge. The exact numbers are going to be given at our annual business meeting the last Wednesday in February, where you're going to see where we are financially with the budget and all that. But I'm telling you, isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? That is, uh, that is some really good news. Uh, Acts chapter 13 is really, we talked about the structures and the drywall and the painting and the coffee and, and all of that. And I want to give you the spiritual side of things. Uh, what kind of church is River of Life? Where do we model our church after? There's all kinds of different churches. Every church is different. Every church has its own culture, I guess, is the word now that we're using to describe it because people are different. And so what I have done, God put it in my heart to model River of Life in the vision and the ministry God's given me after the Antioch church in Acts chapter 13. This is the church that God said, when I took over to ministry, I prayed about it, and he gave me the words, his presence, his promises, and all people. And this is where it was from. It's from this chapter of Acts 13. This is the early church in the first century. This is what it looked like 15 years after the day of Pentecost. 15 years later, this is what the church looked like. And so um, let's read it, and then we're going to say our mission statement today. It's Vision Sunday. I want us to make sure we get that and we say that. But in Acts 13, it says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manin, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Herod is the one that beheaded John the Baptist. And he tried Jesus. And now this is his foster brother, who was a leader in the church. And Saul, who we all know as the great Apostle Paul. That's the Antioch leadership. That's the board. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed 
and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Father, we thank you for your church. We thank you for the model that you've left for us as a church today to be like and to imitate. And Father, I I just thank you for what you're doing and God, what you're yet to do. And I just pray your blessing upon us for the next few minutes, Lord, as we continue to look into your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. Let's go ahead and say this mission statement. Probably should have left you standing. I'm all over the place today. Stay, go ahead and be seated. We can say it when we're seated. Come on, let's say this nice and loud. The church, I am called to influence others. I am called to make a difference. I am called to love God and serve people. Yes, amen. You guys sounded good today. Sounded good today, amen. Um, there's just three things that I wanted to bring out about the spiritual side of the ministry at River of Life. What kind of church are we going forward? Uh, you hear about the coffee and all you see the parking lot and the colors and all of that and the kids ministry. Uh, yes, that, that is all going to happen. That's a part of it. Uh, but also I want you to see that this is the spiritual side of it. It was after the Antioch church and there's three characteristics that I wanted to just bring out to you real quick. Uh, number one was they were all different but they were united. I want you to see that. They were all different, but yet they were all united. This is an amazing, powerful miracle in verse 1 of chapter 13. When God said, I want you to specifically give the names of the people. He wanted us to see the the, uh, transition that happened in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 13, the entire church was all one ethnicity. They were all one people group, all the same, all Jews. In the upper room, they were all Jewish people. We have a list of names. Fifteen years later, instead of Acts 1.13, we have Acts 13.1. Isn't it amazing how that is? And in this verse, we're given that they're all different and all diverse. And they're not just the people that are coming to the church. They are in leadership. I want you to see that. That's where God put it in my heart that my church is a church for all people. Somebody say all people. We need to know that today that we, we can, it's okay to be different. We're all looking, looking around. We got all kind of hockey fans. We've got, uh, Bobby Eastman has a fishing tournament like NASCAR or something. Stand up, Bobby. Look at his brother's shirt. Look at it. I was like, man, look at that. I thought it was NASCAR, but it's like fishing NASCAR, I guess. I love it. It's so cool. And I pulled up and I saw a big Paul with a hockey jersey on. You know, Paul's actually from the UP. He's totally UP guy. Everybody know that. But he's got hockey on. Bob's got hockey on. And some of you got them New England Patriots, man. And some of you didn't wear nothing. That's fine. You're just being you. Woo, right? Amen. That's awesome. You're part of the team as well. And I love it. We're all different, but we're all teammates. And it's okay to be different. Tell the person next to you it's okay to be different. Man, I wish I had three hours. This is, my, this is my lane right here. Dan, this is my lane, brother. I love to talk about this. It's okay to have a different personal preference, but we need to be able to come together united for one purpose. You may not like the same music I like. You may not like the same taste in clothes. You may not even like my shoes. Some of you may be struggling because I got Adidas up here today. You may not like the fact that we're going to have this or the paint or the color. And we all come from different traditions, different backgrounds. And man, and, and, and I want you to know it's okay to be different. And you really don't have to change a lot of those differences. You may not even like coffee. <laughs> I love that girl. 
You may be a tea person or a water person or a Mountain Dew. I don't care. This guy, this guy at work used to always say, I don't need coffee. What do you always got coffee? And I looked over, he had two Mountain Dews. Every morning he would drink two Mountain I'm just looking at him. Some people's just deceived and don't even know it. You know what I'm saying? But that's okay. Listen, you may not like all of these different things. And there's some things, you know, that, that I don't, I'm not, I got different preferences on a lot of things. But man, I am, we need to all be excited about winning souls, about people coming to know Jesus, people coming in here from all different backgrounds, coming to learn English. And hey, Miranda was just skimming over the top of what that ministry is going to be. We're going to have people from the Muslim, Islam people, Muslims are going to be coming here uh, to learn about English. They're coming from the Middle East, these other Churches that we know that already have this ministry in place, they have one in Dearborn, for instance, and that is a huge outreach that they have seen people come in because a lot of times their religion is just a cultural thing to them. They really don't understand the goodness about God. They were just raised that way, and so that's the way they are. We have it in America. Many are raised Catholic, don't even know what a Catholic believes, but if you ask them what are they, they'll say, hang on, mom, what are we? It's a cultural, religion is a cultural thing for many people. And we just get all weird because it's maybe of a Muslim. It's just many of them are just culturally Muslims or Islamic. or what. And even if they are diehards, listen, when they come face to face with the power of the gospel, the Bible says it gives its power to all people who believe. What is the gospel? And that's what this is all about. It's the packaging that we're, that we're different on. And we, and listen, the methods of God always change, but His message never changes. Come on, River of Life. And so that's what they may be. We may disagree on different things that are out there in the world today on these styles, but we need to unite for one purpose. And that's what the early church had. In chapter two, it describes them as this. It says, now all of them who believed were together, and they had all things in common. That word together is a Greek word which simply means to be partners, to be united in one. In other words, they just were able to say, hey, we we are different. And you can read the whole Bible, the whole New Testament, you see this tension and this struggle between Greeks and Gentiles and Jews, and they had a real issue with, with being able to be united. And so that's why Paul has taken so much time, especially in Romans. He's, he's addressing one crowd to the other because it's always God's always trying to get us to unite. Because why? We are so powerful when we're able to unite behind one purpose. Man, the enemy knows that. That's why he tries to divide us racially. And sometimes I agree with uh, the one pastor years ago said Sunday mornings is one of the most racially segregated hours in America. You have everybody going to their own churches and everybody looks the same in those churches. And whites and blacks and Hispanics and all of that. And that's we call that church. And listen, if that's what the community is, I'm all for that. If you live in a community that is all dominant, one, one ethnicity, then I understand if the church is that. But the church should reflect its community. And it's God's desire that we do come together. Read it in Revelations. When it's all said and done and we're in heaven, what does it say? It says that he looked and he saw people from all tribes, all nations, all languages preaching and saying, Hosanna. Santa to the highest. It's beautiful. Come on, give me praise. It's beautiful in the eyes of God. I love our church. I love looking out and seeing that diversity. It's, it's awesome. It's a, such a blessing to be able to pastor a church like, we got a good thing going, church. Tell somebody, we got a good thing going. 
The enemy hates that when we come together like this. And he tries to get us to be united. And the only time that we really, you see problems begin to happen within ministry. Ministry competition. Ministerial competition. Let me hit this for a minute. Ministry competition only arises when those in ministry are working for the Lord out of a selfish motive. That's the only time competition happens in the church is when our motives become inward and selfish. Then we begin to compete with one another. The disciples did it. Jesus, who's the greatest? John spoke up and said, I saw someone casting out devils over there, but he wasn't one of us. So I stopped him. And Jesus looked at him and he said, he brought a little child in there and he put a kid on his lap. And he said, I tell you, you want to be great in the kingdom of God? You've got to become like this child. If you want to become great, you got to become the least. And we hate being least. We hate being second place. Ain't nobody wants to be first place, not in America. We want to be first violin. We don't want to be second violin, second fiddler. What are they called? Second fiddle? You ever hear that second fiddle? Let me tell you something. Without a second fiddle, you have no harmony. And we always want to be first, and we always have that in our mindset. In the church, man, the church was able to overcome that and say, hey, whatever it takes for us to do what God's called us to do. The Bible says in Genesis, when the people rallied together and became one, there was nothing that could stop them. And that's what God is calling us to do. We're not going to be the same as every other church around. And River of Life, some people are not going to like River of Life. They're not going to love the the kind of gospel and and what God's called us to do. And that's fine. I love you. Go on. I pray. Pray for you. This church is for all people, but not everybody was down for Jesus eating with sinners. Not everybody liked the fact that Jesus would be able to heal the, would go out of his way and hang out with a Samaritan woman and tell her that he has got something for her that she's been looking for all of his life. It was already at a, his disciples weren't even at that place. He had to send them in to five guys to get some lunch because they couldn't handle Jesus meeting with a Samaritan. Read your Bible. So we got to be kingdom-minded, church. we got to be kingdom-minded. we got to be kingdom-minded. Tell somebody I'm kingdom-minded. Tell somebody else I'm struggling, but I'm getting there. Hey, hey, hey. you gotta be, we got to be able to rise above what we look like on the outside and how, how all of these things are. And it's important for me to say we got a great church. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but as my job, I have to occasionally remind us of that because we've got a habit and a propensity to be segregated and, and to be selfish especially in media today, in the television and everything that we watch, man. Oh, my Lord, it's so hard that they were different, but they were united. Then it says that they, were, they had ministry, but they were missional. This is the kind of church that the Antioch church was. They had ministry. They ministered unto the Lord. They had ministry. They had small groups. They met from house to house daily. That's small groups. They had uh, ministry to the orphans and to the widows. I believe in having more ministry that we can have. I told you this is a season that God is going to give us that we're entering a season of bereavement, of building, of of, uh, birthing and building. Birthing. There's already ministries that we've got on the back burner that are going to be launched here real soon. We're just trying to find the right timing and the right uh, way to do it, implement them in, and I'm all for all of that. The church Melinda and I came out of had 252 ministries in that church. Everything was a ministry. And here's my point. It's not just to have a ministry so we can be first fiddle player. The ministry that they had was missional. 
They laid hands on them and sent them out. They were ministering to the Lord to find out what God wanted them to do. Because it was all about winning souls. And that's the purpose of having a coffee shop, having small groups. And listen, having lights and having the pretty carpet and all of that. All of that may be important, but it's going to always revolve around the single purpose of winning souls. We're always going to be a soul winning church. We're always going to, I'm going to always throw the net. I'm always going to do whatever I can do because that's what I'm called to do. That's the only thing in heaven that causes a celebration. That is, listen, Pentecostals, even when people get filled with the Holy Spirit, I love, you need the power of, that's my third point, hang on. I, we need to be spiritual, understand that, but when people get filled with the Holy Spirit, heaven is silent. I want you all to be healed. How many got a sickness that you need to be healed of? I pray you all get healed. We get this atmosphere the way God wants it. I'm telling you, walk through the doors and your healing can happen like that. You don't need anointing oil and a guy with a three-piece suit to do a certain prayer and all of this and have a 50-prayer team up here and all of that. We get in all of that. The pre- you step into the presence of God and sickness has to go. Depression has to go. Illness has to go. Anxiety has to go. It has to flee. Why? Because the light is being turned on. But the and you but you can get healed and heaven is silent. The only thing that causes a celebration in your Bible in heaven is what Jesus said. Remember, let me just rewind the story. Jesus gave him an anointing to go out and heal the sick. Read it. It's the sending out of the seventy in Luke. They came back and said, Jesus, we laid hands on the sick and they recovered. Woo! And Jesus was like, okay. And they were high fiving. They said, man, we casted out devils. With my anointing. And they're bragging. And Jesus said, hold up, guys. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. What's he saying? Check yourself. We get that spiritual pride, don't we? Woo, God's giving me a revelation. We want to write a book. Sometimes that revelation is just for you. Joseph messed up and told everybody about his dream. Look how it went out for him. Just saying. Jesus said, watch it, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Then he says this, I tell you this, that in heaven there is a celebration when one sinner repents of his sin. In other words, boys, you want to be excited? I'm all for casting out devils. I'm all for laying hands on the sick and they shall recover. Please, we need more of that today. But don't get me wrong. Jesus said, hold up, get your priorities right. The number one purpose of why I came is to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the, I'm going to heal on the way. I'm going to raise the dead on the way. But make no mistake about it. I left heaven for one reason, and that's to reach out to the lost. Reach out to the broken. Reach out to the hurting. Reach out to the addicted. Reach out to those that were depressed and say, hey, I I'm the, I'm the light of the world, and I come to save those that which are lost. Come on, give me praise for that today. We're a soul winning church. Thank you, Jesus. Soul winning church. God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Why? To go into all the world. That's why they went up into the upper room and they received the power of the Holy Spirit to be sent out. The praying in tongues and the tongue language and the gifts of the spirit. We, I love it. We need more of it. It is all, even when the gifts of the spirit are in operation in the church service, Paul said the purpose of that is so when a sinner comes into the church, we miss that. 
<laughs> we, we think it's to show off who's more spiritual a lot of times. And he says the purpose of the gifts is for when sinners come in and they hear something like that and they hear a prophetic word and they go, wow, that's exactly what I'm dealing with. Paul said they will then fall to their knees and pray and say, God is truly in this place. So that's my third thing about them is they were strategic, but they were spiritual. We always think that they can't go together. You know, I grew up, just get in there, Eddie, and let the Holy Ghost flow. And I, I remember that, you know, sometimes that's code for I haven't prepared a message. Because I've been in some of them services. And I'm thinking, I don't know if this was God or what, but we've been doing this for 40 minutes and ain't nothing happening. And I brought my friend from work, and he, he's never coming back. Because if, not, if the spirit's not moving, then all of a sudden flesh starts to move. Oh, we've all been around. I know what I'm saying. And so we sometimes got to help the Holy Ghost. But that's not what they did. The Bible says they went up in the upper room and they prayed. Jesus gave them a strategic plan. He said, go up in the upper room and wait until the plan comes. They prayed. They fasted. They received the plan. That's the order that God uses in the church. We cannot reverse that. We must always pray and fast, and then the plan will come. Fasting, it makes us more sensitive to the, to the voice of God. That's why it's so many breakthroughs when we're in the week of fasting. There's a woman that I'm still going to get the, the full story on. Her sister was healed of cancer that week. It's a crazy story how she ended up at her church during that week of fasting anyway. She was in Florida, and she met with uh, Danielle, and they were down there, and she ended up at the church. It's a fascinating story, and we prayed for her, and she fasted and prayed, and, and her sister was healed. It's just an amazing miracle. So many of you have told me breakthroughs that you've gotten in, in, through the church. They were strategic. They prayed. They fasted, and then the Holy Spirit spoke. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to continue to be a spiritual church. We're going to give you coffee. We're going to have small groups. But I'm telling you what, we're also going to value the presence of God. The number one thing God told me, his presence, his promises, all people, he said, my presence is the one thing that you've got to value and you've got to honor. That's why we will always have altar calls at this church. And we will always have altar time. Matter of fact, let's stand right now. Let's go ahead and stand. And let's just go right into that right now. Hallelujah. They sat there and they just prayed and they fasted. And they didn't do anything until they heard from God. Prayed and fasted and ministered to the Lord. They began to minister to the Lord. We don't know how long that verse 2 took place. But I know there's no drive-through breakthrough. I know there's always a season of waiting and a season of tarrying on the Lord. And with the two services and the time issue, it's, we've kind of had some issues with that, but that's why we had that outpouring night. How many enjoyed that outpouring night, man? Come on, somebody. We're going to have more of those. More of those. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus. Let's just focus on the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Thanks for listening. 
We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.